after we get started, if there's some dead air or whatever, I'll just I'll edit that part out. All right, cool. I haven't had dead air yet, so don't no pressure. That's <laughs> here we go. Yeah. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Surf Prep Sanding. They're a family-owned and operated company specializing in sanders, abrasives, and dust extractors. I've been using Surf Prep now for years and have come to know the amazing people behind their brand. I love their 6-inch random orbital sander and the 3x4 sander the best, and they have helped me level up my sanding to get a great finish for my projects. Use code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word, at surfprepsanding.com for 10% off your order. I also want to say thank you to StickerBeat for providing this podcast with some awesome stickers. These stickers have a tab, so it makes it super easy to peel and stick. If you don't want to annoy your maker friends, try StickerBeat.com and use the code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word. You can find these stickers and some great merch by visiting our store at MakerLoungePodcast.com. We have five new patrons this week. We've got Tony with Kadama Design and Nick Poole with Dylan Furniture, who signed up to be Rockstar patrons, our top tier. We've also got Mary Faria, Eric with Overall MakerWorks, and Ann Stone. If you want to be part of the Patreon community for the Maker Lounge Podcast, head over to Patreon.com slash Maker Lounge Podcast. And we have a Discord channel that... When you sign up to be a Patreon member, you can join our Discord channel and join our chat community. So head over to that Patreon page and join us right now. Now let's get to today's episode. Welcome to The Lounge. I'm Matt with Volton Woodworking and your host of the Maker Lounge podcast, where every Friday we have a rotating group of makers hanging out and talking shop with each other. He stands about 12 tight bond jugs tall with an occasional, almost seasonal mustache. <laughs> you may have passed his face on display at your local Rockler and not even known it. He used to be micro, but dropped the micro to focus on his own jig. If you don't get that joke, then just stay tuned. <laughs> I don't even get it. <laughs> In his words, if it ain't weird, it ain't on brand. With the last name so difficult to pronounce, he shortened it to Hop. Morgan Hop is in the lounge. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> Good. So you didn't get the micro joke? I So I wasn't prepared. I, I didn't know any of what you were going to say in the intro, but I wasn't prepared. Yeah. For any, all that was just pure gold. <laughs> pure, pure gold. Um, yeah. Yes, my last name is extremely difficult to pronounce. Um, yeah. So, yeah, How do you I say should, it exactly? Hoppensberger. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like four syllables, but there's but there's so many letters, it just makes it impossible to to really understand. So, so uh, in class growing up, did you go by hop or did you do the whole thing? Like, when did you shorten it? I mean, it's, I mean, just for like uh, social media accounts, just for like okay. what I what I you know like have Instagram or TikTok or whatever. I just made it hop because like. That's I, I wanted to go by my name, but yeah. obviously the whole name would be ridiculous. So yeah. I, I get Voltron, I get Voldemort, uh, <laughs> I get all kinds of different things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do we get? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven letters, two syllables. That ain't so bad. I got thirteen right. letters, four syllables. It's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you win. There's my bell for you win. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, uh, what have you been up to? Oh, man! It's, so it's uh, it's it's been an ins insane year. 
Um, yeah. And so I think it's, uh, what are we coming up on? We're okay. End of March. Um, yep. so on uh, April 11th in about two weeks, um, will mark the one year anniversary of my departure from Microjig. Um, yeah. and so it's been that fast. seems like yesterday. Yeah, it's, it does. Um, and, uh, I mean, just, it's been a crazy year. A lot has happened in this year. Um, so, so I guess we'll, me, you know, we'll get into that in the episode, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, hang on to hear all that stuff. What I, what I like to do is I like to talk to guests about kind of like past, present, future. Yeah. Right. So like, how did you get started in this whole maker space, woodworking space? So, so I had a, um, I guess where, where to start? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll start with like kind of how I got interested in woodworking to begin with. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, it was like 2000. Well, I, I was in a band. I was in a band that we started in like 2007. What'd you um, play? Guitar. Okay. And so, um, we, uh, we were, we were in college together. We lived in South Florida. And then when we all graduated, we decided we'd all move up here to Orlando uh, together and live in a house and write an album. Um, and that's, that's kind of what we did. So that's the, dream. um, yeah, living the dream, you know, the right after college dream where you're yeah. like, I don't care about making a living or right. insurance. <laughs> you know, just live in a house together I'll... and play music. Yeah. For the rest um, of my life. Yeah. Pretty much. So, um, anyway, so I, I, uh, we, we did that and I, uh, we just, for fun because like we're all really good friends still really good friends um but just for fun we decided that we would play a house gig um at a local bar here in orlando um play 80s covers just kind of like nice. doing our own take on 80s covers and um it's the one bar in orlando pre probably in all of central florida that's underground so there's just a narrow staircase that you have to take downstairs to this smoky bar this horrible ventilation but i had this um i had this amp there or this uh speaker cabinet that had four 12 inch speakers in it thing weighed like 150 pounds and i would have to carry it and oh, week after week down this narrow staircase and i was like yeah i you know so i started shopping for a smaller amp or a smaller speaker cabinet and being a musician obviously i had no money so i was <laughs> like i should sure i should try to make one myself yeah um, and so I, and I had no tools. I had no woodworking background at all. I was like, yeah, how hard could it be? I see mm -hmm. people do stuff, you know, make stuff for their cars all the time. Um, and so I made my first speaker cabinet and it came out terrible. Um, <laughs> and then the next Fly one came plywood out. Plywood or what, what was it made out of? Um, uh, yeah. So I, I, I tried, uh, I tried doing it in plywood, uh, but I wanted it to look like, I don't know. I wanted it to look like nice, like fancy, like, um, if I, you know, I can have it on stage, you know, and it'll, it'll perform well, but like, I can also have it in my house because again, yeah, no money, small house. Um, any of my music equipment was just out in the open. So I was like, I wanted to look kind of nice. Yeah. Um, walnut, so, walnut stain, fix that right up. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, big box store, birch ply with, uh, Special walnut stain for Minwax. That was that yeah. was my jam for a little bit. 
Um, but anyway, so the, the the first one came out terrible. The second one came out a little less terrible. And then, you know, I made, made like four or five until I was actually happy with it. And then um, people started like asking me, I started putting up on social media, people asking me if they could buy one. Um, and then from there, um, you know, there's, there's not a huge market for that. So people start asking like, Hey, can you build this? And it's like, people had a bunch of furniture requests and I'd never built furniture before, but of course the answer was always yes, Mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. Um, and so then, you know, I started kind of learning how to build furniture and then that's, that's where the, the furniture business came from was, uh, trying to build a speaker cabinet for my guitar. Nice. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of people get started is like out of necessity. Yeah. And then and then find that that kind of that passion. And then you're like, oh, I think I could and then and then you start making things that now you have to make it because you you're building up a clientele. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was that was weird. Like um the the speaker cabinet thing, you know, obviously like most speaker cabinets, you know, you see are just, they're, they're made out of either plywood or MDF and they're wrapped in that, that textured, uh, vinyl Tolex. Right. Um, and that's pretty much all you got. So like I was making stuff out of like hardwoods and, um, making them, you know, look really like fancy. Mm-hmm. This turns out there's not a huge market for that. And, uh, people <laughs> are, people are willing to pay the premium to have that for something that they're going to be touring with or just, you know, it's just going to get beat up on the road. So, yeah, um, it kind of, you know, that naturally transitioned to furniture, but, uh, right. yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for this. That's what we got me into it. Hard to sell those on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> My bread and butter was live journal. <laughs> uh, live journal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Quite, quite the, uh, kind of evolution of projects and then you started um so you were posting these things on social media and getting a little bit of traction and then and word of mouth type of thing yeah pretty like so i mean at the time i i wasn't even i wasn't even aware of a um that was that would have been around 2012 and i wasn't even aware of a of a woodworking slash maker community on social media i wasn't very active on social media um still not very (laughs) it's a tough world out there yeah i mean it's you know it's like you have better things to do but uh you know i i just uh i wasn't even very aware so like but you know i was proud of what i was making so i put it up there and um i just got kind of got like a following that way um and then uh my wife and I, we decided that we wanted to try to start a family and the, um, the, the business was cool. Um, but it was inconsistent. So like I'd have like a really good month and then the next month be like, eh. Right. Um, and you know, starting a family, um, that wasn't conducive to that whole, uh, that goal. So, um, I started, uh, looking for a, yeah, quote unquote, a real job, and um, I'm a real w- boy. Yeah, I'm a really yeah. So I started looking in the woodworking space. Um, just you know, I I fell in love with it, and I wanted to stay in that space in some capacity. And I saw a a, a job posting from Microjig, and I'd already owned and used Microjig products for a few years, mm-hmm. and I just figured it was like 
just like a local rep or something um, that needed like an assistant. I, like, I, I didn't realize that they were local, but they're actually based uh, locally here where I live. Nice. Um, and so I, I submitted an application, but it was for this like executive uh, operations, executive level position. And so we did like a phone interview and we agreed at the time that I was not the right person for that job. Um, and then, <laughs> the, but they said, you know, we'll, we'll keep your resume on file. And if, uh, you know, we fair anything ever comes up, we'll, we'll give you a call, which usually just means, yeah, see you yeah. never. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot. But, uh, we'll no call thanks. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was how I, I took it. And, uh, that was the last I thought about it. And then a year and a half later, I was working in a cabinet shop, which was a dookie job. Um, <laughs> what terrible. were you doing? Were you working like in a cabinet line or? Yeah. So I, it was a cabinet and mill workshops. I mean, see, you know, we, it's, there was a lot of cabinetry, but, um, some kind of unique stuff and, uh, some kind of architectural, um, architectural woodworking. So it's, you know, some of it was interesting, but I was a, um, I was a lead builder there. Um, there was a shop of like 30 guys. Some of those guys been there for like 15 years and I come in as like just a you know just a nobody just like an apprentice and um within six months they gave me my own bench and put me in charge of like a quarter of the floor (laughs) (laughs) and they were so mad they hated me um who's this kid taking over all our work exactly it's like I don't it's that they were yeah they were really mad um but anyway, so there was this like a just like sort of a a, a hostile environment there, um, just because of how all that happened. But anyway, so I get a call a year and a half later while I'm working at this cabinet shop for a microjig, and they're like, "Hey, we've had your resume on file. We want to create a position for you specifically, um, if you are available. Just doing whatever it is that you do." Uh, we don't know was, what you want. We don't. We don't know what we want, but we want you to do it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was. It's like you know, uh, I had a background in video and woodworking, and they're like perfect. So yeah. they're like, yeah, if you're uh, available, we'll just create a position for you. I'm like, okay. So and you got to I pick did. your own title, right? Yeah. So, it, <laughs> so we Am had I jumping a, ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's no, it's fine. Uh, so we had an internal communications software that um, everybody had like a profile. It was almost like a social media platform. You know, you had your profile, with your little bio description. Um, and mine, I, I didn't have a job title. Like they hired me. They're just like, well, we don't really know what to call it. I didn't yeah. either. And so I just, when I made my profile on there, I just put wood sorcerer. Um <laughs> And that stuck for some reason. Yeah. So like I, I would shoot, I would write, shoot and edit all the videos. And I did everything except for like the, the final like uh, graphics, like the, the motion graphics or titles or anything like that. Uh, there's somebody else that did that. And so when I passed it off to him, he put Wood Sorcerer in there as like my, <laughs> you know, in text. And it yeah, just like. Yeah, because he looked it up on LinkedIn and saw that that was your title. <laughs> yes. And it just. It just kind of stuck from there. I'm like, okay, that was kind of meant to be an internal joke, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you 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 became the the official wood sorcerer. Yeah. 
Um, and and you didn't have to do all the the lame stuff, which is the graphics. That stuff takes forever to, to do. Yeah, I'm not good at it, and um, and it's I don't know. I feel like there there are people who are way better at it and enjoy doing it. So why would I do it? Right, right. Which I guess, and we'll get to your YouTube stuff here in a little bit, but I guess that plays a little bit into your, uh, how you don't like the arrows and, and things like that, you know, in the graphics, uh, but yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about YouTube in a, in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. I've got all kinds of things to say about. Yeah. Just content in general. You, but... You've got a specific style for sure. And, and I'll make sure to link all of your, uh, social media platforms we got you got instagram tiktok and youtube all at morgan hop um so i'll put all that in the show notes as well awesome so you you went to um you did this for uh and your your title of wood sorcerer uh for how long uh for almost five years um five i years. was i was at microjig from uh august of 2017 until uh just about april of of last year yeah. And what were you able to um, do? I mean, did they just, I know you initially came into the job and they said, Hey, whatever you do, do it. And um, just put the name out there. Were you in some of the design stuff? Were you more just like they gave you a product and, and said, make something fun about this? So at, so actually my, my official title after kind of, I, you know, I was like, I can't, Nobody's going to take me seriously. It's like, that's my, that's, no, it's, I yeah. have to have a, like an, an actual, like, you know, legitimate sounding thing. Yeah. Um, and so my, my official title after a little bit became creative director. I was the uh, creative director. I basically, the way that the, the brand was um, conceptualized and communicated um, across various mediums, like video uh, in design and it, packaging on web um i did all the photography copywriting and video for um uh, basically everything public facing so um and that's you know it's a pretty pretty big responsibility because it's yeah. it's all um brand you know it's a right. uh, you have to have a a cohesive brand identity um across all mediums and that that was my responsibility was like you know how do we present ourselves to the public so you were um you're doing this in so they they basically they give you a, a product and say hey we want to put out some content we want to do youtube uh instagram facebook all that kind of stuff so you were you're trying to tailor to these different platforms i guess the content yeah so and it wasn't wasn't even necessarily just content um i also there was a um there, there was a decent uh, R and D responsibility um, as part of my job. So, like uh, the the guy who founded Microsig and invents all the products, um, he's actually the guy who hired me. Mm -hmm. And so um, he would, you know, come up with these ideas and he would prototype something. He's got this crazy nice three D printer there um, at the office, and so he would like three D print something. Yeah, you know, explain to me how it works and just say like, go nuts, test it, um, use it, find its, you know, weak points, figure out how yeah. it can be better. And, you know, so like I, I worked with him in helping refine um, 
the designs of of you know pretty much uh, a, lo- a lot of the products that came out in the last five years. Yeah, because um, yeah, before that they were they had started with ju- more of just the push block type thing, right? That's how the the company was initially based on. Yeah, so the the gripper was the the flagship product. Um, that was the um, that was that was what founded started Microjig, and that was the the bread and butter. I'd say over over half, maybe not over, but around half of all of our sales were grippers. How how has that changed over the last number of years? Like, is that still kind of the the main product? Well, it um, I would say probably. I don't know. So I like, I haven't been there for, um, almost a year, but, uh, when I left yeah. grippers were still, um, still probably a lion's share of, of the, uh, the business that Microjig did the MassFit line, the clamps and the hardware, oh, they're yeah. really catching up to the gripper in terms of like the, the percentage of the business that Microjig does. So it will probably take over at some point, probably not in the too distant future. Yeah, because um, it's just it's just such a cool system. But also the uh, <laughs> the the patent on the gripper. So the gripper had a utility patent, uh, and utility patents last for twenty years. Um, basically, mm-hmm. you just nobody can make a copy of it if it's patented in the U.S. Can happen elsewhere in the world if you don't have a a patent for it there. Nobody cares. Yeah. But it's at least protected in the United States. And in August of last year, the the patent for the gripper expired. So mm. pretty much anybody can make uh, an exact replica of it and call it whatever they want. So yeah. I would imagine that will affect the um, the sales of the gripper. But fortunately, the matchment system uh, they keep coming up with cool stuff for it, and it's oh, yeah. um, you know it's it's getting widely adopted. So that's kind of the succession plan if you will right yeah i mean there's there's tons of integrations that you can use that that system on from cncs and and uh you know workbenches and things like that it's it very adaptable yeah um so in, in your time working there um you're still doing woodworking on the side i honestly didn't really have time to do my own thing so like when i started um, I had, I, I was kind of in the middle, closer toward the tail end of a big woodworking project, um, that I basically, I would leave work and then I would drive an hour and a half to finish, uh, that job maybe mm. two or three days a week, um, wow. for, for a couple months. And then like, once I finished that, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm not, I, I don't want a side hustle. Um, so yeah. I dissolved my furniture business and just focus on microjig because um, okay. that, that was all i had time for in in your last couple years there uh you had COVID hit and so you had to make content from your tiny shed <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, and, yeah which kind of great segue by the way matt yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i worked so, hard on those yeah yeah <laughs> Were you like practicing that at night? Like, how can you? Sleep? Right. Yes, I couldn't fall asleep last night. I haven't slept in thirty six <laughs> hours for that one segue. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, like when when uh, when COVID hit, uh, yeah, it's Microjig has a shop that is attached to its office, and that's where I worked every day and shot all the videos and and did all my work. And then when COVID 
hit and everybody started working remotely, we shut down the, the office, uh, you know, as any responsible business would. Um, but, um, all I had at home was just this little 10 by 10 plastic garden shed, um, which is Mm. only suitable for storage and nothing else. Um, but all my tools that I had had in my, uh, the previous shop was just, you know, the last house that I rented had the garage. Um, we're just shoved in there and mm. just rusting and getting just in terrible shape. Um, yeah. But so just to to keep myself employed, I said, you know, I pitched the idea to my boss. I said, hey, I have this idea. Um, I have the tools to continue, you know, making content. But, you know, obviously the setting is going to be a little bit different. So instead of just like having this weird transition of like, okay, he was in this nice shop and now he's in this weird little uh, dungeon. Let's make content. So I'll spend this next couple months making daily content about building out this tiny shed into a uh, a shop that I can actually work in and, and build projects in because a lot of people were in the same situation. Uh, a lot of people right. were, were displaced and now stuck at home. And if they at any point had an interest in woodworking or that was their hobby, that, that that's kind of, you know, that would that's give a, them kind great, of the inspiration. Great segue for them. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of give them the inspiration to dive back into it and, and kind of empower people and say like, Hey, no matter what kind of space you have, you can still do what you want to do. Um, right. And so here's, here's what I'm doing. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot about, um, space planning and uh kind of squeezing the most out of a, a, a tiny space and and <laughs> packing as many tools as you can into it um yeah. to be like able to, your workbench <laughs> yeah so yeah my uh my my rolling um i had this tool cart that that uh i rolled in and out of the shed um but it i was able to build pretty much really anything that i really wanted to do yeah aside from like big furniture projects i could build small projects but it had everything that i needed right yeah i mean you you built it specifically to go in and out of that that door and it was i mean how how wide is that door five feet something like that the whole thing was 10 foot wide and it's about so i i want to say that the opening of the door was like somewhere between five and six feet um so the the whole cart, like just the top surface area, is pretty much the whole footprint was like six wide by eight long. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's I basically there was great no cart. It was cool. I mean, yeah, you had you had everything kind of built into it. Some of the the cool things, cool features that you put into that were you know like your your dust port for sanding and things like that with the magnetic uh, top or plastic you know piece that went over it and stuff that I've, I've now seen other people replicate in some of their work stations and stuff. Did you pick up a lot of your design from your time at Microjig or is that something that you had already had a passion or knowledge for like with CAD and stuff like that? Oh, that no. Um, so I, uh, I, I had never done any, any sort of 3d modeling. I had no idea, but because of my, what was expected of me in terms of R and D at, Microjig, and they, you know, they didn't say it like, "Hey, you gotta learn, you gotta learn yeah. how to do this." But um, because I wanted to kind of make myself more valuable as as an employee, I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'll teach myself three uh, D modeling." And so, you know, I can I can take the designs that Henry Henry's guy that invents all the stuff, um, 
I can play around with those designs, make little tweaks, and I bought my own 3D printer um, so that I could change the design, print it, test it, and before ever, you know, coming back to them and saying like, hey, I made this change, here's, you know, here's why I think it's, it's, uh, this will work better. So yeah, that, that was all just kind of extracurricular, yeah, learn, learning how to do that to, to make myself more valuable. So you picked up this, the CAD software, or the, the SketchUp, right? I think is what you primarily use SketchUp. No, actually, I don't know how to use SketchUp at all. Uh, oh, and really? Like what, the, what's your... Yeah, uh, I use Shaper 3D. Uh, the one that... Shaper 3D, okay. The one that people use the, the iPad. Um, yeah. So he uses an iPad and an Apple Pencil, and it's it's the only... I've messed around with Fusion 360 a little bit, but that's pretty much the only uh, modeling software that I know how to use. Um, yeah. It's it's super, super good. I've actually done some... I've worked with their development team. They had their... Uh, their uh, their programmers, their developers reach out to me and ask me for feedback, like what what features can we add, which ones can we like, what can we change. Um, so I've had like Zoom meetings with their development team, and then right. they actually had their marketing team do a do an interview with me. So I, like I like a a marketing <laughs> interview yeah. with Shaper 3D on their YouTube channel. Nice. So you you started um, doing this stuff from home. I'm trying to figure out when the desire to to launch your own stuff happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Um, and you let yeah. me know if I'm stepping on dangerous territory. <laughs> this, yeah, like, who cares? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, it's, who yeah. cares? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think uh, the lat, not this past one just from a few weeks ago but um the workbench con uh 2022 right yep. 2022 um you know i i'd been working um you know with microjig i was uh working a lot with uh the influencers and content creators that you know we would send product out to and they would they would make content about it um and i really formed some like meaningful relationships with uh with a lot of the content creators in the woodworking community right and so when when i went to WorkbenchCon 2022 a lot of the feedback that i got from a lot of people was just like why aren't you just doing this like why are yeah. you only working for one brand <laughs> like yeah. you could well, do this you and i met other. at iwf i think the that year that year early in the year i think right? yeah and um we we met there and then we we met each other at uh, Workbench or saw each other again at WorkbenchCon. And I think you you weren't at that time, you were still working for Microjig, I think, or just getting ready to end it. And you you were not representing Microjig. And so you you were just kind of, you, there. you seemed like, oh gosh, what am I doing? Like, I'm supposed to be working. Oh, no, no, I, I didn't have that feeling at all. So yeah. uh, that, that was one of the nice things about uh, Microjig was they, they did have in the budget every year for every employee um there was a budget for uh personal and professional development so like if you want to go to a, a trade show or some yeah basically yeah that's like the the perfect definition is something like workbench con um okay, cool. is it you know there was a budget that that would allow me to go to that and i wasn't necessarily working you know but you know that that was that was a cool thing they did and they they did it did have um some some great benefits um mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that that being one of them, but you know, it ended up be you know being the 
the straw that broke the the camel's back of my leaving, but <laughs> uh, they might yeah. re- rethink so, that. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were there and you were talking to all these content creators and and uh, they were talking to your ear and saying, "Hey, you, you've you're great on camera. You, you should." Yeah, it, it, you know, it, and I kind of it, it's not like um, it's not like I was you know had uh, just total and complete employee satisfaction um when i got there and then you know people just changed my mind it's i i was i had already kind of had it was one foot let's go out the door and the other on the banana peel um yeah so was there not a um your needs were not kind of or your desires were not being fulfilled there or were you being and again tell me if i'm i'm pressing too hard (laughs) that's all right was 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 it a was it a matter of you had ideas that weren't being heard? What was the big thing? Well, so there were there were a couple there there were a couple things. So like like I said, uh, when I got hired, I got hired by Henry, the guy who founded Microjig and and has invented, designed and invented uh, everything you know that Microjig has. It's his uh, the the CEO. So he hired me, but then mm-hmm. progressively over time, I started reporting more and more to the CEO. And rather than a uh, a content creation and R&D type role, um, my role started kind of morphing into a sales type role, which um, I have no interest in. I'm not a right. salesperson. Um, yeah. I never considered myself a marketing person. You know, being able to have a product and speak intelligent, intelligently about its benefits and stuff, I guess you could consider that marketing. Yeah. But yeah, so the my role kind of started to morph into more of a a sales type role, which I, I wasn't about. And uh, so when I I, th- I kind of came to this realization, and I and I talked to the CEO and I said, "Hey, here's kind of." here's what I was expecting when I came into this and, and here's what it's morphed into. Now, if that's what you need me to do, fine. That's, that's right. my job now. But, um, if I'm going to work as a, a salesperson, I need to be compensated as a salesperson. Yeah. You know, um, commissions and, and, and things like that. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, I was very, I was pretty diligent about, uh, tracking everything from, you know, the time that I started month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year, the growth of the things that I was directly responsible for, which the main one being um, direct to consumer, uh, just sales to the website. It's like, we, right. you know, they, they sell to all sorts of retailers, Amazon, all that, but um, sales that people buy directly through Microdrink's website. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of like, the, my, you know, like my baby. Um yeah. And so it, it, from in the five years or the not quite five years that I'd been there, um, direct consumer sales through the website had grown about 1200%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it, it can't be, uh, I, I wouldn't attribute it entirely to, you know, the, um, the, the content that we put out to, you know, to drive traffic to the website and to make those sales. Right. But, um, a lot of it, I would attribute to that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, 
I, I kind of, I pitched a few different um, ways that we could approach, you know, compensating me appropriately for, um, for that. Mm-hmm. And that all got shut down. And mm-hmm. um, as it was kind of a, you know, we, we kind of had like a come to Jesus talk and, you know, rather than saying, you know, like we, we, we want to, we don't want to lose you. We want to keep you, you know, what can we do to, to do that? Uh, the conversation kind of shifted to, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just being a baby and, um, mm. I should be grateful. And so it was at that dinner that I just put in my notice. I was like, okay, you guys just don't, don't get it. Wow. So was your wife in the loop before that, that conversation <laughs> or yeah. was that one of those awkward conversations? Hey honey, guess what happened at dinner tonight? <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, um, it had been, you know, it had been discussed, uh, at, at length. And, yeah. um, she kind of knew that I was, I was pretty, pretty much over it. I had planned to do it later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, the, my whole plan was to actually, you know, the shop that I'm in, the shop that I ended up getting and started working in, I wanted to have that done, built, set up and to kind of start getting some traction before I left. Um, but this, but that conversation, uh, was just so infuriating that I just did it right then and there. So yeah, I wouldn't say it was the wrong move. I would say I made the right move at the wrong time. Mm. That's, um, that's a good way to, to look at it. So I imagine a lot of the sales are, are going through Amazon, but for a website in most companies, that's where they, their bread and butter is, is on Amazon. And for you to have growth on on your own website of twelve hundred percent is oh is unbelievable. That does that does speak to the communication that you were probably having. I know you and I had talked about it. I I became an affiliate of of Microjig at at that time and uh, when you were there, and um, so I know that those conversations were happening because you were my entry point into Microjig for an affiliate. So I'm sure I'm one of thousands of those conversations no so like when i um so i i headed up the the affiliate program mm-hmm. um you know i think that was that was one of those things that like we wanted to to have that too we wanted most a majority of our business to be um direct consumer through our website sales right. you know and we'd still keep amazon we'd still have our brick and mortar dealers but we wanted the the bulk of our business to be direct consumer i was like it was okay so how do we do that and um the idea of a affiliate program came up i was like that's a great idea and so like okay there's tons of different affiliate programs that you can do out there um how are we going to get people interested in signing up for yet another affiliate program right it was like okay offer a a very generous uh percentage (laughs) Right. Because even offering affiliates a very generous percentage, it's still only half of the uh, the margin cut that we would get if we sold it through Amazon. Right. So giving an affiliate a 20% uh, commission on a sale, we're still making more money than selling it to Amazon to resell it uh, you know, at, at a right. 40% loss. <laughs> so, yeah, they, um, they kill you. Yeah, and so 
um, that was kind of like, you know, I, I didn't want it to be, um, it's kind of a new model. So I didn't want it to be oversaturated. And so I only invited, uh, handpicked 50 pre uh, people to invite, mm. um, to, to launch that program. And I don't know, um, how many people are on there now, if it's grown or if it's even being managed or monitored. But, uh, yeah, when yeah. I launched it, I, I wanted it to be a, a handpicked group of 50 people, which I think that's a good way to go. Um, I'm affiliate of so many different things, some that I just don't even promote, but if somebody asks me about something in my shop, I will pass them a link. Uh, but out of the, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 different affiliates, uh, programs that I'm part of, I've got checks from maybe three of them. So a lot of yeah. affiliate programs don't, don't do well. Um, and so though, I think the way that you kicked that program off was it, it was a good, you know, cost of entry and it, it gets people excited about their product and, um, which they should already be excited about the product if they're <laughs> becoming an affiliate. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was, it was a good, good program. Um, to be honest, I don't know if it's, I, I am an affiliate, but, but I haven't checked my account lately. <laughs> I just, so I, yeah. I actually am, um, you know, yeah. I, I'm just like, couldn't be when I was an employee, but you know, when I right. left, I was like, you know, I, I, I have all these microdrink products and I, I right. still stand by them. I still use them. I think they're great products. And so yeah. anything that I put out there, you know, I'll, I'll use an affiliate link. Um, right. and I just got like a $25 payment problem, like, you know couple of weeks ago yeah which is cool but like <laughs> it's not like affiliate um i know that's kind of one of those things that kind of snowballs builds over time but like i i right. don't i don't rely on uh on affiliate sales uh or affiliate commissions for income at all i don't rely on i don't know i kind of i've taken kind of a different approach than a lot of content creators in terms of like how how i'm actually going to make a living doing this a lot of content creators um kind of their their goal is to get like a like build a following just like mm -hmm. get more and more followers so that they can command a higher price for their uh endorsement for their you know right. for the content where they're endorsing stuff um and when i was working with microjig and i was working with influencers um you know that that was when i started doing that that was my idea it was like you know uh the the conventional wisdom is that you know the more followers a person has the more influential they are you send somebody something or you pay them something to uh to make a video or anything about your product and um you know their their followers are gonna go and buy it and you get a good return that's mm -hmm. that's conventional wisdom what i found is that's not true at all that mm. that so the more followers someone has um the lower their engagement rate. So there's like a, you know, right. it's like a graph and it, there's a point where it crosses where like the more followers somebody has, their engagement rate just plummets. Right. Um, and so we paid a, um, I, I arranged uh, and organized a project with a very high level uh, influencer. I don't even know if you'd call her an influencer anymore. She's just like beyond that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we we paid her a good amount of money to make a video using uh, our products to make a project, and the the project came out awesome. And the video mm -hmm. the video was great too. Everything about the content and everything about it was great. And so I thought, man, this is this is gonna be people are gonna love this. Yeah. And it didn't perform at all. 
I mean, mm. like, just it, it, nothing. I mean, like, there was it came like, off as a commercial, or was it more? No, no, it was. Yeah, it was. It was all like very, uh, very organic. Uh, mm. Like you know, just like I, you know, people don't like to be advertised to. Right. And I'll I'll skip to the next thing where I feel like I'm being pitched to or advertised to. Mm-hmm. And this felt, you know, very natural. It's like the content was was awesome, but it just didn't it didn't um, it didn't convert into anything that you could con- that you could consider a good investment. Yeah. So, um, and me personally, I don't have a very big following um, on any of my, you know any of my social accounts or anything like that. Um, yeah. So it's, I can't approach a brand and say, you know, Hey, Sim, pay me this amount of money to make a video about your product. And all my followers are just going to be so moved by my message that they're going to (laughs) flock to your website and buy the product. That's not going to happen. I know that's not going to happen. Um, so the way that I've approached it is basically just, you know, I, I will, uh, approach your brand and say like, Hey, here's, here's what I do. I make, um, I make compelling marketing content um, that it's, I'm not going to ask you to trust that me putting it on my channels is going to be productive for you at all. So you pay me to make a video for you that you own completely. It's distributed on your channels um, and that it's, it's, uh, it'll be your marketing content. So, um, and I can, you know, show objectively, here's how this is, his, uh, has worked out for other brands in the past. Right. And that's, that seemed to, that seemed to work for me a lot better. So it's almost like hiring a plumber or an electrician, you know, you hire me for a service. This is what I'm going to give you. Here's the deliverables. Here's what it costs. And there's no, um, there's no uncertainty of like, well, he's got this many followers and, you know, based on the reach and the engagement, you know, we expect this percentage of people to make a purchase. There's none of that. So, mm-hmm. People feel a lot better with that type of arrangement. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more in the after show um, about moving from uh, being on the backside of the company, uh, literally and figuratively, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to to doing your own individual brand and how you're planning on leveraging that, you know, kind of going forward. So if if you're cool to talk about that in the after show, um, if you want to, if you want to do, if you want to listen to that after show. Um, you can sign up at patreon.com slash make a lounge podcast. But, uh, one thing I want to talk about is, is kind of your, your thing, what you're doing going forward. So you've, you've since launching on your own, doing your own thing, building up your own massive shop, doing a YouTube, um, series kind of on (laughs) (laughs) massive for a caterpillar, baby. Well, it's, it's massive compared to what you, what you were in. Right. So, uh, it's all relative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you've done a lot of, of, again, more design consideration and, and trying to maximize your space, putting, putting things uh, underneath the workbench and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then you started uh, doing some additional partnerships. Now that you are open to work, you changed your LinkedIn profile, open to work, <laughs> open to take sponsorships and, and brand deals. So now you're, you're doing a couple other different things. Um, you want to talk about, talk about that? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm uh, primarily working with um, with Onefinity. Um, Onefinity, I mean, has uh, has just been unbelievable um, and gracious and generous and uh, and yeah. bringing me on and allowing me to you know I kind of I called them 
right before I left microgenetics, I just said, Hey, I'm about to do this. Um, do you guys need some work? And they said, absolutely. Right. And so, um, for the listener, working... the one, Onefinity is a CNC, uh, manufacturer company. So, oh. uh, yeah. So I, that's the weird thing is, I mean, I'm so close to it. Like I didn't, yeah. even, it didn't even occur to me that it, I had to introduce who that was. No, that's okay. Yeah. And, and a lot of people know who it is, but just for the, for the casual listener, um, yeah. yeah, a CNC woodworking tool, uh, that is a, is a computer generated, um, uh, tool that you, you put a program in. And if you don't know what a CNC is, you know, I'll go ahead and, uh, leave Morgan's information below. And so you can <laughs> check out his content. So didn't mean to cut you off. Just wanted to, to fill in that gap. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Um, and so <laughs> part of the thing is like, yeah, I said, hey, I'm about to leave, um, you know, do you guys need some work? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll 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 send you a machine. I said, hold off on that. I don't have a shop. <laughs> <laughs> Can I this machine no build a shop? <laughs> I have nowhere to put this thing or run it, so I'm not going to be able to actually. And they're like, okay, you know. Uh, and so you know, they they held off, and then like you know, it took months for me to actually when the my shop was delivered. It's just a you know, it's just a prefabricated building. It's basically a shed, just open set of yeah. walls. Um, and so it took me months to actually build it out to where it was actually, you know, suitable to, to film content. In. Um, and so, you know, they, once, once I got it all up to snuff, they sent me a machine. I started working for them. Um, and then also have a, um, I, I formed some relationships with, uh, some people from, uh, Craig when I was at Microjig. And, um, so I've, I've been, uh, doing some freelance work for them as well, um, We've got a couple of product launches coming up that I'm doing videos for, and uh, they, we're going to be working on the, uh, they have a learn series um, that's okay. on their website. It's all just, you know, play-ins kind of like deep dive in-depth uh, instructional stuff. Um, yeah. So between Craig and Onefinity, I've got a full boat. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, you've been busy. Um, I noticed, uh, what about six months ago was your last YouTube upload. Um and yeah. so you've, <laughs> when you, when you see something like that, you're like, okay, this, this dude's been, been hard at work. Um, not to say that when you're producing YouTube content, you're not working. Cause that, that is a whole nother topic. Um, yeah. Well, see, here's the, like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I am producing video content for YouTube just for other brands that are paying me. It's like, right. If I've got limited time in the day, um, yeah, I would love to make more stuff for my own channel, but, mm -hmm. um, I can't count on that being uh, productive in terms of income. Right. You know, if I've got limited time in the day, I'm going to be working on video content for brands channels who are paying me to make it. Right. So um, I, I think I'm going to do so. The, and it's not that I wanted to like, or ever, uh, ever planned on YouTube being a, uh, a source of income for me. Right. Um, I, I really just, I created the channel just to document the process of, of, from the ground up building of this, this shop out. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I thought it would be a cool, just the cool series to, to document. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, the last one that I did was about six months ago. Um, yeah. not much more. Well, it's like, no, actually a decent amount more has happened since that last one, but I think I'm just going to cap it off. I'm just going to shoot one more, um, final thing, just like a shop tour. Like, Hey, this is the last one. Here's what I did. Right. And, uh, here's, here's the tour. Here's how I have it set up. And well, I appreciate your style. Um, and I think, you know, not, ha not 
for your own individual channel, not having to represent a brand directly, you had a lot more latitude to do your own flair. Um, I mean, you certainly had that when you were at Microjig, and I, I understand that the the leap then was okay. I'm not I'm not getting essentially what I want out of Microjig anymore. Where can I go to get and do that kind of thing? That's not salesy. That is more content creation. That's more um, in your creative niche. Um, so, but hopefully you'll continue doing some, some of those videos. Cause I, I always enjoy like uh, the funny videos, like the, the type, and you'll still do that. I'm sure on your Instagram and stuff, but like the type on skincare, uh, yeah. you know, or, or your negotiating practices type of videos. Yeah. It's, you know, like yeah. it's, that's just, you know, I, I, I know, um, kind of, I have a, a pretty good idea of, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to be able to rely on in terms of income. Mm-hmm. And it's not my own YouTube channel. It's not my own. It's like, I'm not like a crazy skilled anything. Um, you know, like my, you know, my woodworking, you know, I'm a decent woodworker, but you know, I'm, nobody's going to um, just be so overwhelmed by my, my level of skill and uh, prowess at presentation that my, you know, I'm going to start making money from YouTube. Yeah. So anything that I do content wise, I'm just having fun with. Yeah. Well, like I said in the intro and, and used your words, but if it ain't weird, if it ain't on brand, right. That was kind of your, <laughs> your weird. thing. Yeah. Weird to, I, and, I, uh, I, but that's what brings people to your content, to your channel. And, um, you know, when I saw you on Microjig, you still get some of that. You still get, you know, Morgan hop as, as you are, but you're also having to represent a brand and, you know, with Infi- uh, Onefinity and Onefinity probably has a little bit more latitude for you to, be more weird uh, yeah. than Craig. And, and they, <laughs> yeah. And they like, they're, they're super like, so I'll, I'll send them like a first draft of a video and I'll do, yeah. do or say something that I'm just like, man, this is probably too weird for brandy content, but I'll just send it over, see what they say. Yeah. <laughs> and they surprised me. They're like, yeah, that's great. I'm like, that's pretty weird. Did you catch that part? And they're like, yeah, we got it. It's great. <laughs> Like <laughs> the cool thing about Onefinity is it's such a it's such a young brand, you know, it hasn't been yeah. around for that long. So there's not like a long established brand identity um that you know that has to be adhered to. We're 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 creating the brand identity as we go. Right. And eventually, you know, at some point it the that um that brand voice, that brand identity will be established and for for the time being, it's fun and yeah. Maybe a little weird, but people are enjoying it. So, like Geico, Geico is like a, one of the hugest car insurers, but like right. their commercials are weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But people do them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like your brain can yeah. be whatever, whatever you want, and it's you know, um, if it's informative and useful, um, but memorable, I think that's that's all good content really has to be. Yeah. Well, I think people have been able to kind of capture who you are um, in this episode so far, but we do like to play a little game on this um podcast oh boy and um so the the game and i I didn't even let you know we're going to do this but from time to time we like to play a game when i'm doing one-on-ones called rapid fire and uh, this is just first first thing that comes yeah and i don't have any uh sound effects for that one but uh this is just like first thing that comes to your mind and it gets uh people to to know a little bit more about you and uh decide if they want to follow you or not I, I can tell you right now, you probably don't want to follow me. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with that. <laughs> All right. So this is a game called Rapid Fire. I'll say right. I'll say something, and you just kind of say the first thing that pops to your mind. It's a it's a quick game. All right. Okay. Do you have a hidden talent? 
I can light my farts on fire. Ooh. Okay. That's that is uh something you definitely want to keep hidden. <laughs> That's what well, you said hidden. Like it's not something yeah, I do no. publicly. Right, yeah. <laughs> when did you first discover this talent? <laughs> Probably middle school. <laughs> I'll be expecting a video here soon. <laughs> oh man. Uh it's it's tough. This is Can a I tough change game. My answer? <laughs> yeah, you want to change your answer? <laughs> No, Let's I can't do this think again. of anything else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Remember, there's always an the edit button. You, you you tell me later. All right. You want to do it again? No. I can't. I honestly, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> All right. But that's Here the whole go. point of rapid fire. That was the it first is. thing that came to mind. The first thing you Yep. Exactly. So then, you know. in. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Sci-fi or rom-com? You can only pick one. Sci-fi. Uh, well, if you weren't... Uh, depends. Depends on the... Are we on a date? Uh, you and me, are we on I a mean, date? Yeah, we're going on a date, and uh, and oh, you've then just shown me your... You, you've just shown me your hidden talent. <laughs> <laughs> then rom-com, to, to make Uh-oh. up for it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so uh, on that theme, we're continuing this. This is getting weird. This is definitely weird. Yep. If it ain't weird, it ain't on brand, right? If it ain't weird, it ain't on brand. Okay. Weirdest pizza topping you... So we order a pizza. What's the weirdest topping that you would pick that you like? Uh, Uno's has a fantastic mashed potato pizza. Whoa. I've yeah. never heard of that. It's mashed potato. It's like a loaded baked potato pizza. And it's got mashed potatoes. That it's crazy good. So, like mashed potatoes is the pizza sauce. Yeah. Or there's there's still the pizza sauce and then mashed potatoes on top. It's but like pizza sauce is like you know microns thick. Right. No, they put they put like a half inch thick layer of <laughs> of mashed potatoes on there. You got a shepherd's it's, pie on a on a. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like a, a shepherd's pizza. pie. Oh wow! But yeah, mashed potatoes. Well, it is after lunchtime. Now now you're getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you still own any cassette tapes? No. No. Um, nope. Can't it's... say I do. My wife has one. Oh, yeah? Um, Is it like a mixtape from when you were first dating? <laughs> no, I used to. No, I burned her CDs like a gentleman. Oh, yeah. You're not a savage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but does she have anything no, so... she can play it on? Yeah, so we do have like uh we do have strangely something that can play a cassette. Um but uh so we live in Sanford, Florida, and just about twenty minutes north of here is a place called Casa Vega. And it's this weird little community of uh, spiritual mediums, people who, you know, claim oh, wow. to be fortune tellers and talk to the dead and all that stuff. Um, and so, I mean, like, it's probably like 15 years ago, um, she went up there with a couple friends from work and she got a reading and they recorded it on a cassette tape. And that was mm. in like, she just kept it, just held on to it for a long time. And that wow. would probably be the only cassette tape we have in the house. See, you're not going to hear this kind of stuff on any other podcast. I mean, this is... Because it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm super bored. I'm sorry you invited me on. I am so bored. <laughs> we'll move quickly on to the next question. All right. We've only got a couple, couple more. <laughs> okay, you can only pick one, Pine or MDF, if you had to use one for the rest of your woodworking career. MDF. Yeah. Yeah. It's- pine, pine is just... I can't think of anything good about it. Yeah, it's, it's it burns so great, difficult. right? Good firewood. <laughs> it burns great. You know, it's real yeah. sappy. You know, burns yeah. hot. But uh, no, it's it, it's not a uh, it's not a finished material. Like I don't want pine to be the thing that people see on a project yeah. that I make. So I'm not going to use it for anything finished. So if I'm going to use it, it's going to be for utilitarian purposes. And why would I do that when I have MDF, which is stable, it stays flat, it's easy to work with. Yeah. MDF all the way. Nice. All right. Two more. And you can you can do a hard pass on this one if you want to. <laughs> uh, do you have a nickname besides Hop? Or did you have I, one in high school? I do, but you're going to have to edit this out. Okay, let's let's uh, let's talk about that in the after show. Okay. <laughs> Next question. Last question. Since you're on TikTok, I'm not a big TikToker, um, but have you ever done a TikTok dance? No, and that's honestly the just the uh, the way that TikTok is like knowing it's what weird. made TikTok popular and what makes people popular on TikTok is just dumb stuff like dances and just right. the this is I just that's what prevented me from getting on TikTok for so long is just like right. it's this is a p- platform for middle schoolers yeah you know it's just it seems so childish the whole the whole platform just seems childish to me yeah um now there's some you know there's some good stuff on there and I've I've gotten kind of you know, I've gotten connected with uh, the woodworking community on there, but it's a very small, you know, obviously a very, very small group on TikTok. A majority right. of TikTok is just, just garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh, I tell people don't follow me on TikTok because it's just reposts of my Instagram content. Um, and yeah. even that, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't posted much over there lately. <laughs> yeah. Me basically the same thing is like, you know, I'll put here's I'll put the same thing on Instagram and TikTok with different captions and yeah. see like an A B test. See, right. you know, it's I don't know. The internet's weird. Internet is weird. It's your place. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> we're we're talking about uh me and my wife were talking about last night. She's like, we're just talking about the internet. And she's like, the internet is where people can see you. Like <laughs> It's yeah. I, and that's a, I feel like that's the best way to put it. It's like you can yeah. be you can have a private life, you can go about your business, but like when you're on the internet, that's people can see you. Yeah. And it's up to you whether or not you're comfortable with that. Right. Yeah. Whether you can control the narrative or not. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Morgan, thanks for thanks for being here uh want to uh head over to the after show um yeah so i will put your links in uh the description so anybody can follow you um at morgan hop and um i want to say thank you to our patrons top tier patrons we've got jimmy mcanally arciano serio wim design calvary customs llc clean cut woodworking bailey thompson dave garcia broken lead woodworks starks lagoon sorry design so thank you to the top tier patrons and all of our patrons 
head over to patreon.com slash maker launch podcast if you want to join us in the after show and make sure that you check out our discord once you sign up on patreon uh you will get a link for patreon where we have an ongoing discussion thank you guys for watching thanks for listening all right thank you